if you don't have those other types of regulations upon your business or that type of industry, the regulations to go by would be, you know, the ADA and making sure that you have as many options on your site as possible. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse, and today my guest is Tony Cagiano. Tony, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Matt. Tony is the ADA Comply Guy, and he's got 30 years of experience as an entrepreneur. He's fueled his passion for helping others with his newest company, ADA Comply Guy, where he helps businesses attract more customers using assistive technology. His mission is is to help make the internet accessible to people of all abilities. And Tony, I love your mission. I love ADA compliance and what it stands for. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about ADA uh, compliance and regulations? Absolutely. Yeah. So ADA compliance um, is really, ADA is based in, in the U.S., the Americans with Disabilities Act, but it, it really is web accessibility, which really is, is for the entire internet. It, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. There are people with disabilities out there. And in fact, the, the current stat is anywhere from four, every four, one of every four to five people, almost 25% of the entire population of internet users has some kind of disability that hinders their use of most websites. And only one to 2% of websites these days are ADA compliant or have web accessibility options uh, available to them. And so what this is, is just like you would see a handicapped parking spot or any type of accessibility options in any brick and mortar businesses to help people with certain disabilities utilize brick and mortar businesses. Now, in the digital world, it is now deemed that business websites are digital real estate. And so just like the brick and mortars in the physical space, the digital space also needs accommodations to people with disabilities, whether it be, you know, seeing, hearing, cognitive or learning or even physical disabilities. Certain accommodations need to be put on websites in order to give people the ability to dynamically adjust the site to their specific needs. And so my mission is to help bring awareness worldwide to people who have have business websites and want to attract and attain more customers because the disabled community is a multi-billion dollar industry right now. And a lot of people in this community have a really hard time utilizing most of the internet. And so I'm trying to not only be an advocate for the disabled community, but also bring awareness to business people and, and business customers to that it's a necessity because it's a need in the community, but it's also in the US here, it's a requirement according to the ADA laws that we have here. And in many other countries, and I believe Canada as well has a couple of regulatory bodies that regulates this as well as other countries. So, you know, it's really a, a mission of mine to bring awareness worldwide that websites, you know, need these types of assistive technology tools in order to help people with disabilities. Yeah, it's several good points you made there, but one that kind of caught my eye was that roughly 4% of users, I think you said, have some kind of a disability from using websites online, but only a couple percent of websites are actually compliant. Mm -hmm. Well, it's actually almost 25% of users have kind of, of some, one out of 
one out of every four or five people. So it's between 20 and 25% right now of users out there. So it's a huge population of internet users that, that can't utilize most sites. And I'm going to put a disclaimer here that I'm not completely up to date on, on terminology for how you speak about people who have a certain disability, but I'll do my best. But so people, let's say that it might be like a vision impairment or they have a hearing issue or, you know, I, I vision issues ranging anywhere from color blindness to maybe inability to read small text or text that is not contrasted enough, you know, from the background. Those are the kind of issues we're talking about, right? That's that's stopping people from properly using the Internet. Correct. Those are the ones that a lot of people think of right off the bat, just like, you know, with physical brick and mortar buildings, a lot of people think of wheelchair accessibility, you know, or disabled parking, you know, where they can't physically. Those are more people think of physical disabilities, but it really runs the gamut of physical as well as visual and hearing and cognitive as well. I mean, there are a lot of learning disabilities or different, you know, like autism and, and other developmental type disabilities that a lot of the tools that we can now provide with different software options allow people to be able to utilize websites easier you know they still may be able to utilize them but it's very difficult and if it's even if it's if it's difficult for somebody to use a website they're going to go elsewhere it's, it's they want the ability to use a website and learn its contents easily you know so things like screen readers not only help people with visual impairments but also with cognitive learning disabilities as well if they need this the uh, contents read to them and they can comprehend it better. Right. So there's, you know, screen readers for comprehension. There is contrast and uh, color issues and stuff for people who maybe have vision problems. There is, you know, hearing related things. If there's videos on the website or audio, man, I've seen the RTF files that get generated from our podcast. And sometimes they have a hard time understanding what I'm saying or translating some of the things that I'm saying. So I make a real effort to try and speak clearly because I've seen the garbage that comes out of the automatic transcription, right? Especially with people's names, you know, names are a tough one. But it seems like these tools that are for this, like the tool that you guys have designed, the, these tools are getting a lot better. And do you want to maybe describe... Your tool, because I've seen it, but we, I mean, if we're on a podcast, and so nobody can see it. So, do you want to maybe describe how your tool works? Absolutely. So, what it is is some people call them overlays, some people call them widgets or or accessibility toolbars. And what it does is the software itself is a part of becoming ADA compliant and your overall web accessibility. So, but it's a big part because it helps people dynamically adjust the site to their specific needs. And so when we put this on your website and it's an easy install that we can help you with, if you need, need it, need help with it, we would take a custom JavaScript code and paste it right into the footer of your website. And it can be a WordPress site. It could be almost any other web or funnel builder out there that, that creates websites. And what it does is once it's on there and your screen is refreshed, it basically points back to our servers and a toolbar will show up on your website. And the, and it's just basically a small little icon that you can click on if you need the, uh, the tools 
and to be able to utilize them. If you don't, then it's just a small icon that's usually, you know, it's out of the way. What we do is we suggest putting it in the left-hand side in the middle, and we can put it on any of the four corners or on the right-hand side in the middle as well. So it's customizable. The icon color is customizable. So we can color match it to your site if you want to, or color contrast it to your site in order to be easily seen. But once you click on it, it basically opens up a small little toolbar right there on the left-hand side, and you're able to easily click on large buttons. And what these buttons will do depends on what you need it to be done. If you click on the screen reader, basically, if you hover over text after that, the screen will be read to you. If you click on the magnification, there's three levels of it. You click it once, twice, or three times, and it'll magnify the screen, but keeping the aspect ratio of everything and not make everything go all wonky as you you can if you just utilize uh, some other means of magnification. And then there's a, there's a bunch of other tools like um, easily to read fonts. If you have a, a website that you like to use script fonts or some other character type fonts, by clicking this, it'll just change it automatically, everything to an easy to read font like an Arial or a Times New Roman. So these are tools that allow um, people to dynamically adjust the website. And there are still some things that software can't do yet. You know, you were talking about closed captioning or, or you know, translation of, of words. Some people call OCR, optical character recognition, to transcribe things. We also include a separate service that we do because we know our software can't do everything yet. So we help people make their web, their videos closed captioned properly. We have a human interaction that helps embed the closed captioning in their videos. So if we do that for them, they can put them in their website, but they could also use them on social media. They can use them anywhere. And so that the, the closed captioning is actually embedded into the video and they can just bring it anywhere else they want. Another big thing that we also help with is alt text. What that is, is alternate text for any graphics that are on your website. So if somebody is seeing impaired and they hover over it, either the screen will be read to them exactly what that picture is, or there'll be a little pop-up where they can read it. And so they can understand better what that graphic is. So those are some of the other things that can be done along with the software, but the software really helps people get these accessibility tools out there to people who need them, you know, easily and affordably. And uh, that's one of our missions is in order to educate people about this and show them how easy it is and affordable it is to get it out there. And I just wanted to, you know, mention, I had mentioned that the websites can be adjusted dynamically. Years ago, when, when ADA accessibility really um, started, the only way to do this was to hire a web developer or your web designer to go in and change it line by line in code, you know, and there's a list of over 50 different things that need to be checked in order to become compliant to the the WCAG, which is the International Consortium of, of Accessible Web Design. And that's what the ADA uses as a, as a guideline. You know, there's no black and white law right now saying this is exactly what you need to be ADA compliant in the U.S. They use that as a guideline. They also go by different precedents in other cases that have been brought to court. And so it's it's a good idea to have accessibility tools available and other options done to your website, you know, and be proactive before one of these lawsuits can may come your way. I mean, because in the U.S., the number of lawsuits has been growing over the past couple of years and it's exponentially growing now because a lot more people are becoming aware of it and these attorneys are taking advantage of it. So we're trying to spread the word in the other way, in the positive way and saying, hey, this is something that you should have and you should need. And this is how we want to help you be proactive about it. So, yeah, it seems like the laws haven't been clarified 
to the point. I mean, when we looked into it for some clients, you know, you're, you're right. There's no strict adherence guideline that says if you do these things, it will be 100% compliant. However, from what I've seen from the court cases, and this is not legal advice, I'm not a lawyer, but I have seen that it appears that people who have made the effort to attempt to correct everything that they know of that can that can support ADA compliance and have made a reasonable effort to do so seem to not be having to pay out in these lawsuits, whereas the people who just ignore it completely or don't know anything about it are the ones who are kind of getting tagged. So having some software, you know, like your software, or if somebody actually does go through and, and do the coding, that seems to be, at least so far, protection against lawsuits. But also, I mean, yeah, nobody wants a lawsuit, right? But on the other side, it opens up your business to a lot more clients, right? There's the advantage of making it accessible to everyone, right, is not just so you don't get sued, <laughs> which it seems that's the only conversation happening on the Internet most of the time. Right. And, and that's why I'm out there trying to change the narrative, because, yes, it, it is something that you should do to protect your business. And, you know, just just mentioning that part for a moment. You're right. You know, having some kind of accessibility options on your website is a good way to be more proactive and avoid a lot of these lawsuits because the attorneys are going after the low hanging fruit. They're scanning the Internet and seeing they don't have anything on their website or it's just a an ADA disclaimer at the bottom saying, yeah, we're aware we're not ADA compliant. And that's all you've done. That's a big red flag saying, OK, you know, we know about it, but we didn't do anything. You know, that's people thought in the past couple of years, if they do that, then that's going to protect them. But that's actually, in in my opinion, what I've talked to people, a bigger red flag than not doing anything. It's like when people put so they put that they copy and paste that Facebook status and they're like, I hereby declare that Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> doesn't own rights to my photos. Yeah, it's pretty much worthless from a legal standpoint. Yeah. And, and really the biggest thing that helps with not having to have have so much trouble with court is really the alt text. That is the biggest thing in the WCAG that they look at. And so if you have alternate text in your site for your graphics, that is a big, huge factor in um, making sure that you are compliant as long as uh, along with the, some type of software to add all these other features. So closed captioning, alt text and the software overlays are a, a great way to to start being compliant and accessible. Let's talk about alt text for a minute. So for those who do not know, alt is just stands for alternative. And that is when in the actual HTML code in every website there is. In an image, you have certain things that you can you can say that are attributes of that image, like the source, which is where on the server is the image located, and then title, which at this point basically doesn't do anything, and alt, which is what is the alternative text that describes what the image is. And what has happened is because alt text is generally good for search engine optimization. People stuff that full of keywords or, you know, or, or they don't fill it in at all, but they stuff it full of keywords or something instead of describing what the photo is, which is what alt text is actually for. So if it was a picture of the two of us recording this podcast, the alt text should say something like Matt and Tony recording the podcast. 
you know, and that's a description of what the photo is so that somebody who can't see the photo, their screen reader reads out photo of Matt and Tony recording podcast. And then they know what the photo is. And that's how it works with ADA compliance. But also that's what you want for your search engine optimization. You don't want it to say tavern, pub, drinking, lounge location in and around Portland, Beaverton, Hillsboro, Oregon, USA. You know, it should say what's in the photo. Yeah, a lot of the algorithms are, are a lot smarter these days, too, to see, you know, if they're just throwing a bunch of tags in there or it's an actual description of a picture. That's a good point for SEO as well. All that keyword stuffing and crap hasn't worked for eight, ten years now. I mean, it's it's so out of date. Uh, and, and there's there's let's talk about SEO and images for a minute. I know this is not about ADA compliance, but I mean, our company is an SEO company first, and this stuff irritates me because there's so much junk on the internet about what you should do, and none of this is things that you should do, right? So Google can determine what's in the image without you having to tell them what's in the image, right? Their AI has seen literally billions of images and had real people go in and correct what those things are. If it, if the AI doesn't understand or the deep learning system doesn't understand what the image is, right? If it's a picture of a cat and you typed in veterinary hospital, somebody said, no, that's not a veterinary hospital. That's a cat. And Google could tell the difference. So you might as well not lie, right, in the photo. Because basically <laughs> what you're telling Google is that your site is not accurate. And and beyond that is the intent of the searcher matters. And Google is trying to determine what is it that somebody is going to accomplish when they go to your website. And if you're stuffing your website with a bunch of junk terms, and crap like that, that's not helping it determine what the intent is. And then they can't match that intent to the intent of the person who's searching. So another example would be, you know, let's say you have, you know, a picture of a cat, but you're a veterinary hospital. And so you say best veterinary hospital Portland instead of, you know, what type of cat it is or something like Vietnamese cat standing on a table. <laughs> Sorry, it, it, could, it, it understands that that's not it. But also, in those photos, there is other data that you can't see. It's called EXIF data. EXIF data is inside the photo itself. And let's say you snapped a photo of a cat with your cell phone, then there's going to be things like location data in there, right? So if you snap a photo of a cat inside your clinic, you put that on your website, it has the EXIF data showing the location of your business in the photo on your business which is fantastic for local SEO. But if you just grab some picture of some cat off the internet and use that on your site, for starters, you better hope that you have a license for it. Otherwise, somebody's going to sue you. Don't put the alt text as Portland Veterinary Clinic because then you could get sued for ADA compliance. And thirdly, you don't have the right XF data so that there might be a latitude and longitude listed in the data of the photo of some other place that's not your location, which is also bad for SEO. So just be honest with your photos and your tags, people, is what I'm trying <laughs> to say. So I know we got a little off topic there, but... No, that, that's good information. That's just taught me something today. 
Well, that's good. So, and I'm learning tons about ADA compliance already. I mean, I already looked into it a bit, but you know way more about it than I do. If somebody has a business, let's say that they have a business that requires a lot of compliance, meaning mortgage, finance, insurance, you know, legal, any of those fields, clinics, medical, where they have compliance rules that they have to follow is in your experience, do most of them have ADA compliance rules that they need to follow also that are that are regulated? Or is it more just kind of a, across the board, everybody's supposed to be following these rules? It is across the board, everybody. And I, I've worked with some insurance companies actually that in California that had received letters of, you know, from ADA attorneys saying that they were out of compliance. And so, you know, one of the things that they did was immediately, you know, when I got referred, they got referred to me is we put the software on their website. And that was a first step to showing that they were we were moving in the right direction. And then we went ahead and helped them, you know, get their alt text set up and their closed captioning as well. So those are the types of things that even the larger companies, and this wasn't a small mom and pop um, insurance agent, they were a pretty sizable regional operation with multiple offices and pretty large website as well. So it's not just the small mom and pops that can utilize this type of software, but there are different things that maybe a larger business will need to go back and take care of some things in the code if it is um, required by their regulatory body. But as far as, you know, if you don't have those other types of regulations upon your business or that type of industry, the regulations to go by would be, you know, the ADA and making sure that you have as many options on your site as possible. Because even somebody who goes in, goes by the book and gets 100% compliance through a web designer going through the WCAG checklist, you know, next week something might change on there. And it's an it's an, a continuous improvement battle because you may be compliant today and you may not be next week because you made a small change on your website, changed a few pages, and then, you know, everything's out of whack again. So it is a constant improvement. And by having software on there, you're constantly giving the people, you know, the power who utilize your website to adjust it how they need and not making sure that it's, it's a full-time job of somebody constantly scanning the website to make sure it's up to compliance, so... Yeah, I like I like the compliance as a service model where the business owner or the management of the company don't always have to be trying to keep up with whatever the latest change in ADA compliance is or something. You know, they've got the software in. I assume you would notify them if there is a change that the software doesn't do. Right. You know, if something big comes out, you know, you email everybody and say, hey, there's this change that needs to be made across the board or whatever, because and I say this all the time. Business owners, there is no way that a business owner or even, you know, a manager of, of a larger company who's in, you know, marketing or IT department is going to be able to keep up with everything on every piece of software to be compliant with everyone. It's impossible, right? Unless you have like entire legal teams of people dealing with it all day long, which most people can't afford just one lawyer to fight an ADA lawsuit, let alone have a team of lawyers to figure out how they're supposed to comply with every terms of service with every piece of software that they have when they use a hundred pieces of software a day. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's a large job to keep up with, but you know, it, it actually to hire a lawyer might be less expensive than some of the, the fines though, from the ADA. Cause a lot of these, even the smaller companies are receiving fines of anywhere between 30 and $50,000, which have, 
you know, I actually talked to a, a tax strategist of mine who had clients, um, bloggers actually, who received letters and had to shut their blogs down in their businesses because they didn't have the money for the fines. They just said, okay, fine, we don't have the money for that. You know, you put us out of business. So it's, it's really devastating to some smaller companies. And like it wasn't bad enough that you already had COVID and, you know, every other problem that's come around. And, you know, and, and especially, you know, like the United States, uh, some sections were out of power for two weeks and, and you got flooding and storms and COVID and fires and forest fires in California and everything. And, and then somehow you're supposed to also worry about every other piece of software for every license there is. But. I like the idea of ADA compliance because you're not just doing it because somebody said this is the terms of service to use Google, right? It's this helps people use your product, right? Or, you know, become informed about your product or your service or your company. So one thing that you and I had talked about briefly before the show was that there's actually a tax benefit in the United States right now for ADA compliance. Is that right? Yes, actually. And it's been around since 1990 when the ADA was enacted and it was it was written for brick and mortar businesses before the Internet. But it it most definitely applies to any digital real estate as well. So there's a 50 percent tax credit, which gives you up to 50 percent of or gives you 50 percent of anything that you spend up to ten thousand dollars each year that you have this expense for accessibility options for your your clients or your customers. So the max uh, tax credit is 5,000. So you can spend up to to 10,000 to get 5,000 back. And so we've been working with companies and um, it's as simple as adding this simple form to their taxes along with our invoice, showing that this is a web accessibility, accessibility product that they added to their website and all of our services. And then anything they spend with us, they'll get dollar for dollar a 50% tax credit back, which is different than a tax deduction. And I'm, again, disclaimer, I'm not a, um, a tax accountant or anything, but a if you don't know, a deduction de- lowers your adjusted gross income and then you calculate your taxes on this. This is a tax credit, which means dollar for dollar that what you spend, you get 50% of that back. So it's a much more advantageous credit for people to take advantage of. And it's just sitting there and anybody can take advantage of it as long as your business makes under a million dollars a year. Or if you make over a million dollars, if you have less than 30 full-time employees, you will be eligible for this tax credit. And so not only have we been working directly with businesses to help them make this even more affordable, and it's really a no-brainer now because the cost is negligible. You really want to get this this out there. But we've been working with web agencies, ad agencies and things, anybody that utilizes their services to either provide a website, which we can add this to, or an ad agency where they're pointing back to a website and we can help them add this to their services as well. And then their services will become ADA compliant or accessibility compliant to the tax credit. And so not only will they be getting a tax credit off the software or the services that we provide, they're going to be providing, we provide that to the agency and the agency provides the accessibility product now. And so whatever they charge, if it's a lot larger, then they'll be able to qualify for a much larger tax credit. So not only are we helping more businesses through agencies become accessible, but we're helping more people save more money on a lot larger of their marketing budget each year. So perfect. If there's anything I like, it's saving money on taxes. <laughs> Absolutely. I think you're right, by the way, about, you know, yeah, uh, like a tax deduction lowers your income. A tax credit is dollars of taxes you don't have to pay. Correct. Yes. And so equals bigger refund. 
So if you're going to pay $20,000 in taxes, but you have a $5,000 tax, yeah, you get $15,000 pay instead of 20 or, you know, hopefully a refund. But, you know, for most of <laughs> us, that's just not the case. <laughs> well, if, if, if you have the right tax accountant, then. That's right. That's right. All right, Tony, if somebody wants to get a hold of you and learn more about ADA compliance, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, it's it's real easy. I'm all over social media, so you can find me on my Facebook page, ADA Comply Guy, or Tony Caggiano. I'm on LinkedIn. If you're a business and you're more on LinkedIn, you can find me to search for ADA Comply Guy, as well as my website is adacomplyguy.com. Perfect. All right, and get out there and make sure that your websites are ADA compliant so that those 25% of people who have some kind of disability can properly use your product or service through your website, people. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for being on the show, Tony. Thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate it. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.